Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just go over what we started last week in Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Hallelujah. The Word of God tells us in that passage of Scripture that He, meaning Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness. You're delivered from the power of darkness. No power of darkness has right and rulership to you. No power of darkness. Amen? None. He, you have been delivered from it. Hallelujah. If you get delivered from the rain, it's not raining on you. If you get delivered from pain, you have no more pain. If you get delivered from a tormenting thought, you don't have that thought anymore. If you get delivered from a job, you don't have that job. If you get delivered from a jalopy car, you don't have that car. Well, if you get delivered from the power of darkness, the power of darkness is no more a problem for you. Amen? And he says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or translated or moved us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So last week we talked specifically about the two kingdoms that are both invisible and both out there. This was the kingdom of very good. This was the kingdom of the devil, Satan, darkness. We had the kingdom of God on one side and the kingdom of evil, darkness, the devil on the other side. There is two kingdoms. There is two kingdoms. One has peace and joy and goodness in it. Love of God, the um, blessing of the Lord, all of that is over here. And pain and misery and darkness and deception and lies and torment and pain and destruction are over here. These two kingdoms do not mingle together. They never mingle together. Jesus even said it this way. You either gather or scatter. You don't cohabitate. You gather to one kingdom or you, and you scatter from the other. You can't serve both at the same time. All right? And we talked about what a kingdom was. And a kingdom was a territory or a place that is subject to the dominion of a king. The word kingdom means where there's jurisdiction of a particular king. So if you're in the kingdom of God, that means God has jurisdiction or right in your life. If you're in the kingdom of the enemy, it means the enemy has right or jurisdiction in your life. All right? Neither one of those kingdoms can dominate you, though, without one key factor, and that was what we focused on much of it, it was your choice. Your choice. Look at, let's look at Deuteronomy 30, verse number 19. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Then choose life that both you and your descendants may live. He said, the, both of those kingdoms are out there and available to you. But my recommendation is take this one because if you'll take this one, you and your children, your descendants are going to live good. Amen. 
That's what he says there. So whichever kingdom or king, I could say, has jurisdiction over you is determined by which kingdom we choose to live according to. We're going to live according to this or according to this. All right. And it, um, Romans 6, 16, this is a scripture we didn't use last week, but this scripture validates this in the new covenant. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. And what he's saying is this, in this scripture is you can't yield to yourself one direction and think the king of the other kingdom is in control of your life. You can't yield to darkness and think Jesus is ruling your life. You can't give in to evil, to darkness, to destruction, and think that Jesus is controlling everything happening in your life. Because what we want to do is we want to push off responsibility anywhere but on us. Anyway, surely this is somebody's fault, but it can't be mine, right? Now, I want to say this in light of that. Sometimes things are going on in other people's lives that you don't have control over, and it's affecting your life, okay? And so I'm talking about your daily life and choices and the things that you live not what somebody else is living against you, toward you, or about you, okay? All right, so then let's go to James chapter 4, verse 7. And this is our key scripture. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So it told us how to deal with these kingdoms. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee, okay? Remember this statement we did one other time? The quality of your life is entirely dependent on how well you submit to God and resist the enemy. The quality of your life, the quality of your life, not just having a life, but the quality of your life is based on those two things. How well do you submit to this kingdom and how well do you resist that kingdom? Okay? And we saw last week that the way we are supposed to operate with these two kingdoms is if you want the kingdom of God and you don't have it happening, Romans 4, 17 tells us you call those things that be not as though they are. So what happens is you call that kingdom into your life. And then over here, this kingdom that's trying to be a problem and a difficulty, you speak to that kingdom and command it to move away. Okay? So you call for this one and you push out this one. You don't try to push this one away by calling it not being there. You call this one in and you speak this one out. For instance, it's like this. If you have a symptom in your body, you don't say, I have no symptom. That's what we call denial. That's what we call denial. That's not what works. What works is to say, I have total health in my body because that's what's not there right now. So I'm calling what's in that kingdom to me right now and I resist 
symptoms of sickness and disease. I don't say sickness and disease isn't here because that's calling things that are as if they're not. That's not what the scripture tells us to do because then what happens is you got all this confusion going on because that's a lie. But when you call the truth into your life, that's not a lie. Okay? All right. So that's all review of last week. Praise the Lord. But we want to go back and focus again on this thing we talked about last week about choice. Because a choice is to make a selection. And so you have to make a selection between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light and life, the kingdom of evil and destruction. And between the two kingdoms is where you stand with this powerful thing called choice. This powerful thing called choice. Now, regardless of what we would like to think or feel, no one else can make a choice for you. You know, we have all kinds of programs and things um, to try and stir accountability and responsibility and all those kind of things. But know this, those programs fail if you can't get them to make a choice that's right. They always will fail. If, if we can't get the influence of the right choice, every accountability program fails. And, you know, and you think that, well, if I could just follow them around, but see, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make their choices for them, and you can't do that. You have to stir an influence to make a right choice, but you can't make the choice. So what are the things that affect our choice? What, what is it that affects our choice? What, what affects our choosing? And tonight we're just going to talk about one of those things that affects our choosing between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And that one thing is what we call desire. Desire. We have to learn how to govern our desires. We have to learn how to watch over what we want. We have to learn to watch where our desires are going, what the motive is behind them, what the operation is behind them, what the thought process is behind them, because your desires most times are going to weigh in on your choice. What you want matters to you, right? Now, there's different levels of desire. There's just this little, oh, I'd like that. And then there's this desire that goes to what we call desperation. How many of you ever know what desperation is before? Desperation is having the greatest level of desire and no ability to make it happen is what desperation is. And desperation is a driving force because you've got a desire for an end result. So desperation will drive you to that end result. But the problem with desperation many times is it is so result-driven that once we achieve the result we were in pursuit of, our loyalty to the kingdom from which it came isn't there. What happens, for instance, um, you know, um, you see this often where people want something desperately in their life. 
they may want a uh, marriage or they may want a job or they may want a car, a house, a person. I don't know what it is. And they get so desperate to have that in their life, okay, that you'll see them get real committed to God and His kingdom. But once that end result comes, all loyalty to the kingdom that provided it is gone. Is anybody following what I'm saying? Okay. And so we have to know that in order for us to properly govern our desires, we have to watch when it goes into that position or that level of such desperation of we don't care how it happens as long as I get it. Have you ever heard that before? I don't care how I get it. Well, but the problem with that is then if it doesn't come out of this kingdom, this new result gets old real fast. And there's no life sustaining the freshness of that result. So it becomes stale. And now what we have to have, it's like this. I have to have another, a new fix. Every new dress gets old. Every new car gets old. Every new house gets old. Every piece of furniture gets old. Everything gets old unless we're drawing out of the kingdom of life and newness that keeps it fresh. Okay? Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. Most of us will do not choose contrary to our desires. We just don't. Okay, and there's a reason for that. Because God wanted to be able to put in you desires that would direct your direction and your pace. He wanted to be able to do that. He put this desire-driven life within us so that we would always fervently serve Him. But the problem is the enemy corrupted and stole that so now the enemy uses that to drive us away from God. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So we have to watch and govern over our desires because what we want is what we want. What we want is what we want. You know, it's amazing because you can look at someone, how they spend their time, how they spend their money, and what they talk about, and know exactly where their desires are. Am I, am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? You may not have money for this. I remember years ago, Jerry and I were working with a couple, and um, he was suffering some health issues. This man was suffering some health issues, and they had a diet of macaroni and cheese and top ramen. Okay, okay, that in itself, there's nothing wrong with those things, but those things in himself are not nutritional builders. You know what I'm saying? Those in themselves are not nutritional things, okay? I'm not saying you can't eat those things, except for in our house. Top ramen is forbidden because <laughs> we had to live on it. Okay, anyway, but the thing, we were trying to help them get some health in their life, get something healthy in their life. And so um, we made a recommendation, maybe they shouldn't be eating just that. And they said, oh no, that's all we can afford 
because I have to buy this particular dog food, which is the top of the line, because that's what my dogs like to eat. They were spending more on their dog food in a month than they were spending on their groceries for one dog. You understand? Why is it? Because their desire was for Fifi. We can deal with our health, however, and God fix our health. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have money for what we desire. We have, we have time for what we really want to do. We have those things because our desires are directing, guiding, and leading us through this thing called life. Hallelujah. All right, let's look in Matthew 15 and let's just see how powerful desire can be. Maybe this was just for me tonight. Praise the Lord, I'm going to get it. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 15. Hallelujah. Matthew 15, verse 22. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy, mercy me. I'm just shortening this up. Some of it's tongues, some of it's English. Just great, keep up with me. Oh, Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. This is serious. This is desperation desire almost, isn't it? But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Now look at what the disciples said. They didn't say, Help her. They said, send her away, for she cries out after us. They were annoyed by the, the depth of her desire. Put that one to remember. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So we see that the pace the determination and the depth of her pursuit was determined by the desire she had to have her daughter free. Okay? She was, she was in pursuit of a free daughter. Okay? And Jesus even said, I wasn't sent to fix this situation. And she's like, I don't care that you weren't sent to fix this situation. You're going to fix my situation. That's really what happened. And she had the right words at Jesus could not deny her because of the depth of her desire of her trusting him. And one of the keys is she worshiped him with her desire. So that meant her desire couldn't have been selfish. Hallelujah. If you can't worship with your desire, you need to check the reason for your desire. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus grants the desire because she chose the kingdom of light. She chose the kingdom of darkness. All right. I want to turn to another scripture just to show you how powerful desire is. Mark chapter 4. 
Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, verse 18, it says, These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Now, we know this, this parable. This is a parable of the sower that sows the seed. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So fruitful word can be made unfruitful by desire for other things. Fruitful word can be choked by a desire. Fruitful word, life-producing word can be choked and made non-productive just by a desire. Just by a desire. And it says for other things. What are the other things? The things that are outside of this kingdom. The things that are outside of the word that this kingdom produces. Those things, the desire for those things can choke the ability this kingdom has to produce everything you want. Hallelujah. That's how strong desire is. So we start looking at this and realizing my desires are stronger than the word of God. My desires can quench and squelch the word of God. Well, if that's the case, maybe we ought to Analyze our desires. Maybe we better take a look at our desires. Because this kingdom over here offers so much benefit and so much blessing and so much goodness and kindness and the mercy of God that we get, can, can get spiritually derailed looking for a benefit of the kingdom without having to commune with the king. And then without communing with the king, we become so hungry for the benefits of this kingdom that without even knowing it, we don't care if it comes from that one. Because the desire is driving us so strongly that I don't care how I get peace. As long as I get peace, it might mean taking a shotgun to my neighbor, but hey, at least I'll have peace. Well, that doesn't solve anything because there's no life coming into that. And you've got a moment, but you've got a life of destruction. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? Hallelujah. So let's look at the word desire for a moment. Webster's says that desires are emotions or excitements of the mind that are directed to the attainment of something. Okay, so it's an excitement and an enthusiasm within that shows I want to accomplish something. I want to possess something. I want to have something. I want to be able to lay hold of something is what, uh, is what desire is. But the word desire is D, meaning the, sire. Now, sire 
is a word, um, I mean, I grew up on a farm where we raised breeding stock, and you had a dam and a sire. The dam was female, and the sire was male. Does anybody else communicate that with me, understand what that is, okay? So what a sire is, is a sire is the male parent. A sire is a male parent. And so, and it goes into, it's the father. The sire is the father. So my desires are the father of my heart. They're the father of my heart. And if you look according to what a father is to produce, a father produces identity. A, fa a, th a father is in the household as a source of supply. The father's in the house as governing authority. Okay? And if you don't have a father in the house, you always have the father in the house. Amen? So you're, there, there is no such thing as fatherless if you're in God. Hallelujah. You're, not, you're never an orphan. But these are all attributes that come out of a father. So if we start looking at this, desires then are giving, my desires are giving me my identity. My desires are my source or an avenue that are driving me. My desires then are the ruling authority of my life. Are you following me? <laughs> Hallelujah. Because that's what desire is, the sire. So your desires are in the position of fatherhood in your heart, meaning the dominating, controlling, driving, and happening thing is what those desires are. All right? Hallelujah. Um, concordance calls it a longing. There's two different words that are translated desire in, in, the, in uh, the word of God. It's a longing or pining for something, intense desire, craving or hunger. It literally means to ache. And this particular word that's translated desire is as if it was an addict and must have. It's that depth of desire, okay? The other type of desire is to take for oneself or to choose, I want. One is I have to have and one is I want. But both of them are translated desire in the New Testament, okay? And so you have to just look and see which one is which, but both of them come from the same um, bottom line of longing for, a longing for. And remember where we started, we're trying to create within us a longing for this kingdom exclusively without any interaction, influence, or impulse from this kingdom. Okay, so you always have to know that your desires are fathering your heart. They are fathering your emotions. They father your attitudes. They father your pursuits. All right. Now, as you grow in God, some of these things change. Um, let's see, I can read this. I don't think I gave you this scripture, but it's just now coming to, it's coming to thought. Solid food, this is in Hebrews 5.14. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
So what he's telling us in that scripture is you can get your desires under discipline by making a habit of right things and then wrong things will have no place. If you will govern your desires, then by continually choosing right desires, eventually wrong desires will not be an option. Amen? Hallelujah. So, how do we get these desires? How do we, how do we get this, these desires cleaned up then? All right? Your desires are made up of the thoughts you think, you know, some of the things you've thought created a desire, the information or data you've taken in, you know, um, the television is hoping they can put you up there a new car and you're going to desire it, right? An image of it, the lust of the eyes. Um, whatever you give attention to has something to do with how you create your desires. And every time you will take a second thought of something, okay? Because God is trying to put thoughts in you. The enemy is trying to put thoughts in you. And when you take that thought saying, or when you take it for a second thought and a third thought and a fourth thought meditation, then what it starts to do is your heart begins to manufacture a desire. It, try, it starts to manufacture a desire. You know, um, um, some people, how, why is it some people can be around things and have no desire? And the next person can be in that same situation and it creates all kind of desire. It's because of the other elements that have been fed into the heart. Okay? The other elements that have been fed into the heart. And then that heart manufactures something to give you drive and direction called desire. And God wanted it to work that way. But what he wanted you to do is put in information from the word of God, attend to the word of God, look at the things of God, and then out of that, your heart will manufacture a desire and a determination for the things of God. And that's the way it's supposed to work. But we are surrounded by so much anti-God information, ungodly information, stuff without God. You know, you don't very often drive down a billboard and say, it says Jesus is Lord, but there's a lot of billboards out there. And the ads that pop up on your phone and pop up when you're trying to, very few of them are saying, do you have a heart for Jesus? They're all, see, everything is trying to capture you because if it can capture you, it can manufacture in your heart a desire that will cause you to stray from God and make a choice for something that's not this kingdom breathed. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what we're saying tonight? Hallelujah. So we can't, we can't take that second thought away from that kingdom. And the reason sometimes the word of God doesn't grab our attention is because we never attend to the word. We don't attend to it. See, what's going to grab your attention 
is what you decide you're going to attend to. You attend to one thing at a time. Now, women sometimes more than one, because we're multitaskers, right? All right. <laughs> but, okay. I didn't get any amens or nothing. Ruined a good moment there, didn't we? All right. So what we have to do is be disciplined enough to initiate desire and not follow desire. We have to learn how to initiate a desire instead of following a desire. Amen? Um, the Word of God tells us in, you can just put these up, Romans 7, 8, I believe it is, sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. So we see here that sin will reinforce and create within you wrong desires. It will create wrong desires. But then let's go to Psalms 37.4. We can't leave the bad news. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is twofold. Not only will he answer and present to you what you desire, but he also will breathe in you the desire you should have. All right? But it takes a connection to that kingdom. Amen? Because it says you've got to delight in that first. Amen? So if we can start controlling the input, we'll start controlling the manufacturing of the desire. If we will captivate those thoughts or take those thoughts captive, we'll begin to capture those desires the way they're supposed to be. If we'll attend to his word, then that attention to his word will begin to cause the right desires to come through. All right? So let's look at a scripture over in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and it says in verse 14, each one is tempted, tempted, tried, tested, proven, given the opportunity to fail. Let's say it this way. You're given the opportunity to fail when you're drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Own desires, own desires, not the desires of God. It's the desires of your heart, the desires the factory produced. Okay, this, has, this is nothing on God. This is the desires that came out of you when you took information in, where you gave attention, the thoughts you accepted, and it, it manufactured a desire. And that desire comes forth, and then what happens is you're drawn away by that desire. You're drawn, drawn away from what? That kingdom over there. You're drawn away from that kingdom over there, and you're drawn away by your desire. Your desire will draw you in or out of the kingdom of God. Your desire will draw you in or draw you out. You don't get to coast and remain neutral. This is not the Switzerland spiritual condition here, okay? Hallelujah. You're either in or out. Amen? All right. But it says here that when desire has conceived, when desire conceives, hallelujah, 
When desire conceives. Okay, what is conception? A conception is two different things coming together, meeting and joining, and produce something else, right? That's what conception is. So desire conceives, it conceives what it has conceived. So that means you have a desire. Now, the desire isn't sin. But once that desire connects to something else, that desire can become sin. And what that desire has to connect with is your abilities or your actions. Hallelujah. So a desire then, you make a choice to act on that desire. Then you have conception and now you've got sin. The moral of the story, kill the desire before it gets to be sin. Kill the desire before it gets to be sin. Kill the thought of giving out a piece of your mind before you do. Kill the thought of what I would like before you do what you like and nobody needs to see that. All right. Kill the desire before it becomes sin. Amen? Hallelujah. And always know this. The desire is easier to change than the sin. It's easier to change the desire than to change the sin. Because of the sin, more than likely, it's not just you involved. Now there's other people, other situations, other circumstances. Kill the desire. Kill the desire of those things that are ungodly. Kill that Kill that thing first so it can't produce, it can't have an offspring. Amen? All right. So that desire combined with actions or abilities is a, a conceiving moment and then it becomes sin. So we have to learn how to kill the desire before conception because the desire that conceives that's the wrong direction will take you to that kingdom of darkness. All right? So let's look at John 15, 7, though. If you abide in me, Jesus says this, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. All right? So this is the way we're going to fix this, because this is the way we're going to get a right desire. He says... If you will abide in me. So what happens if you abide in him, that desires begin to get cleansed. So they can get so cleaned up. He says, when you want anything, just ask me, I'm going to do it. If you will abide in me, I can clean your desires so that whatever you desire, I'm going to give it to you. See, we would like that part of abiding not to be a qualifier. I just want to ask what I want and him do it. But the problem is my desires could be wrong. They could be off. They could be maybe not a part of this kingdom because they might be almost steeped with a little bit of manipulation. What's manipulation? You making your desires come to pass. All right? 
So he said, if you'll just abide in me, I'll clean up your desires. And once your desires are clean, you can ask whatever you want. I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is the, the, I'm trying to give you a plus every time I give you a minus, okay? <laughs> do you feel like you're going like this a little bit? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so abiding is imperative for right desires. Okay, let's look at Galatians 5, verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust. That word is also the same word we use for desires. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. One translation can be said this way. Walk in the Spirit, and you cannot do the desires of your flesh. So if we will walk in the Spirit, it's not like we chose not to do the things of the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit, you can't do the things of the flesh. It is not possible to do the things of the flesh when you're walking in the Spirit. And this is the way He made it to work. This is the reason He gave you a desire factory. So He could put stuff in and the desires would come out and you'd only live according to the kingdom of God. He made the factory to work for us, and the devil wants it to work against us. Amen. All right. So the key to changing the desire, if it's pulling you the wrong way, is more of God. And you can't just say, okay, let me just say this. No, I am not going to smoke that anymore. I'm not going to smoke that anymore. I'm not going to smoke that anymore. Okay, that is great and commendable, but you're creating a void that something will fill that spot or that time. You're saying you're you're creating an empty place. You're creating something here. I will not watch that program anymore. I will not do that. And if you're not careful or cautious, you'll just go pick up a different ungodly desire to fill that void. You have to fill every void with more of God so that your desires stay toward the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have to fill that void. So it's not just say no, but you have to input that word so that those desires will be correct. Hallelujah. Let's look at another passage of scripture over here, and we'll probably close with this. Matthew chapter 16. Hallelujah. Matthew 16, and Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, so he's saying this, if you want this kingdom, if you want everything that's in this kingdom, you'll, and whoever desires, back up, let's see here, I'm off the register, I've got to get the register, okay, whoever desires to save his life, oh, you know what, I got to go back to verse 24 is what it is, Kathy. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So he says, if you want this kingdom, if you want to come after me, Jesus is king. So he's saying, if I want to come after him, that means I must want this kingdom. If Jesus is king then obviously it's the same thing. If I'm coming after Jesus, I'm going after his kingdom. And he says, if you want that kingdom, 
If you want the blessing, if you want the life, if you want the vitality, if you want the peace, if you want the joy, if you want all that, then here, here's the qualifiers. You're going to have to come after me. You're going to have to deny himself. Well, the first place you have to deny yourself is you have to evaluate your desires. You want to come after him, okay? And so many live right here. I really want God in the big picture, but these little pieces of my everyday life, I just want to do what I want to do. In the big picture, in the big scheme, sure, I want God. Well, then stop lying. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with that. Yes, it does. Because it's about denying what you want. It's denying those desires that are self-manufactured that aren't connected to that kingdom. It's, it's about not having to give people a piece of your mind. It's about not trying to avoid the presence of God. It's all those things. See, the big picture, we could all say we want God. But what about in the little, minute details and choices? Is it still saying we want God? What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our energies? What are we doing with our monies? What are we doing with this? What are we doing with our relationships? Well, we just want God. Well, then what God's asking for you to do is in the day-to-day, everyday pieces of your life, choose me too. Choose me too. In the small things, when you have opportunity to be angry at the driver in front of you when they're not going fast enough, deny yourself. The person that didn't put the turn signal on and I was waiting for them, and then they turned. I could have gone three seconds ago. Deny yourself. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's those things. See, it's those little things like that, that there has to be a personal denial. You know, it's those personal little things that have to be the denial because we can all say we want the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, if you really want it, there's going to have to be some self-denial. I don't want to get up that early in the morning. Now I'm on me. (laughs) I don't want to. Deny yourself. If you really want the big picture of the kingdom, all that it has, then you're going to have to deny yourself. Hallelujah. What's he say the next thing is? Deny, he says, come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Do you remember what the cross was? The cross in scripture is always um, uh, a picture of total obedience. Total obedience. Jesus was obedient to the cross, remember? So it's not about, okay, I've got to go get a cross and bear it. Jesus bore the cross for you. You don't have to do that. He's just asking you be obedient to whatever I've asked you to do. I asked Jesus to bear a cross, okay? But what have I asked you to do? You know, it's what I've asked you to do, okay? Deny your desires and your selfishness and just be obedient. Just be obedient to what I asked you to do. If it's make pumpkin muffins, do it. You know what I mean? If it's to go to Africa, do it. 
Most of the time, it's not that. It's the simple things. Hold your tongue. It's those things. It's those things. It's the small pieces he's asking you to do. All right? And then he says, and then take up your, your cross and then follow me. Do what he does. Pastor ministered, has been ministering on that. If he's merciful, you be merciful. If he's kind, you be kind. If he can um, uh, dismantle conflict, you do it. Okay? Whatever has to be done, whatever I do, you do. Okay? And he says, then you will, you will dis- because if you just desire to save, protect, or have your life your way, you're going to lose it. Meaning this, you might have all in your head exactly what you want life to look like, what life you want to experience. But if you go in pursuit of that without pursuing him, you're going to lose everything you've got. If you go to pursue the desires of your life without pursuing God, your life is going to end up right smack in the middle of this kingdom of darkness. Because the magnet of that kingdom over here, the kingdom of good, is Jesus himself. Amen? So if you want to protect your life, lose it and let Jesus have all of it. The desires, the obedience, just lay it all out there. Deny yourself and let him have it. You know what? Everybody is going to do you wrong someday. It's going to feel like that. It's going to feel like nobody's for you. There's going to be opportunities of ought, unforgiveness, backsliding. The, the list goes on and on and on and on. But you have to just not give opportunity to that. You have to stay connected to the God that knows and sees you. Amen? Hallelujah. Because God himself has a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. I did not give you this scripture, Kathy, but um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse number one. Um, I, I don't know. How, is it easy to get? Okay. You're a saint in God. She has denied herself, taking up her cross and following Jesus and Pastor Trudy. Praise the Lord. All right. Look at this scripture. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, okay? That's what happens. When you get your desires on your mind, you're going to draw back because nobody else understands, nobody else knows, nobody else feels, nobody else can relate. But it says that in that drawing back or isolation, there's a raging against all wise judgment or wisdom, okay? So if your desires are causing you to draw back and isolate, then you're going to be lacking wisdom. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm not going to leave you there. I told you I won't do leave you on a nine, minus, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's look at Revelations 22, 17, and I will close with this scripture. Hallelujah. Revelations 22. You know, and you start thinking about it, if desire was a God-given thing to motivate my movement and give me direction, then my life is really easy if all I do is start governing my desires. 
A lot of people don't think they can change their desire. You can change your desire. And a mature person then disciplines their desires, makes their desires be what they ought to be, not what they feel like they are. You have to say, I refuse to desire that. I will not desire that. I'm speaking to that mountain. I will not desire that. I desire righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, that's the way you got to combat that. Just like these two kingdoms are vying for your choice. They're vying for you to choose. And you've got to resist those desires. I will not be lazy. I will go to the house of the Lord. I will not forsake the assembling of myself together. See, there's a fight for you. There's a fight for your soul. But neither side wins until you make a choice. But once you make a choice, that's the king you're coming under jurisdiction of. Hallelujah. So you have to ask, which life do I want? Do I want this life or do I want this life? Because if I will change the desire and I'll start drawing my desires out of the kingdom of God, it gets easier and easier. You know, um, as you grow in God, you pass, um, I don't know how to say it, benchmarks, hurdles, uh, fences. Let's use fences. You cross fences and you find yourself in a different corral. Okay, you jumped the fence because you learned how to say no to this, that, and yes to this piece of God. You've jumped, now you're in a new pen. Okay, then you keep going along and you get farther down the road and now you've got different weightier decisions. But now through practice and habit and exercise, you've learned how to say no to that and yes to this in God. So you've jumped another fence. Well, that corral over there, I can't see it, smell it, feel it, and desire it anymore. I've come too far. Right? You've come too far. So for right now, you might be over here, and it feels so hard and weighty. But I want to tell you something. The fences get shorter with each level you go. They get shorter. We used to have really tall fences. And that seems like, oh! But the next fence might only be this tall. And the next fence might be this tall. And the next fence, because all of those levels that you go through, excuse me, go through is because of communion with the Father. Well, the closer you communion you get to the Father, the more like the Father you're living. And let me tell you, he hasn't got a fence. So, most of what the enemy does is try to derail you with the desire to quit prematurely. Quit too soon. Quit before you've got the result. Quit before it gets easy. Because once it gets easy, then there you go. It's always simple. Climb the fence. Climb the fence of that desire and don't give in to it. It's always simple, but it doesn't seem easy and every level makes it easier. Every level will make it easier if you just stay with it. All right. So I need to get to Revelation 22, don't I? All right. Revelation 22, verse 17, it says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, 
Let him take the water of life freely. This is the point. God's never holding anything back. If you want it, you can have it. If you want it, you can have it. And one of the things to always know is you take your spiritual temperature by your desires. That's how you can monitor how hungry you are or not, or how well you are spiritually. How hungry are you? What's your desires? Because if you put your hand on your head and say, I don't want to do nothing for God, you're not very, you're not very healthy right now spiritually. So what you got to do? You got to go to the Father and say, and I start calling things out of that kingdom. I'm stirred up for God. I am stirred up for God. I am hungry for God. I am passionate for God. I resist all darkness that's trying to quench my desires right now. And you got to call that thing. Just call it. God didn't say you do it. He just said, call it. Talk to it. I am stirred up for God. I'm stirred up for God. I am so stirred up for God. Hallelujah. I'm more stirred up for God than what they said to me. Hallelujah. I'll give no place to offense and bitterness because I'm stirred up for God. Amen. That's the way you do your spiritual temperature. And you stay pulling and drawing on that kingdom. Amen. Because you desire to follow Jesus and walk in his kingdom. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you get something tonight? Hallelujah. Let's stand to your feet. Do you have something you want to say, Jerry? I Right. Do you think you should come up here and say Produces the desires. It's a factory. The heart's a desire factory. Right. Well, and the thing is, is God, God is never um, forceful. God is never forceful. So all of the direction and the development in the kingdom of God has to come out of your desire because he never demands anything of you. If you don't desire it, it's not coming to you. It's not coming to you because he won't require anything of you. He offers an opportunity and you have to decide if you're going to take it or not. So it's your desire that really moves you in God because God doesn't move you. You move to him and he draws closer to you. Amen. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Believe for this to be concreted in our heart. Well, maybe that's not right because then it might not be able to grow through concrete. Rooted, planted and rooted in our heart. Father, we thank you for this word tonight to be planted and rooted in our heart that it can spring forth and grow. I thank you, Father, that tonight the word did penetrate. We heard from heaven. I thank you, Father, that we are taking right now an evaluation of our desires and determining which kingdom they are of. And Father, I thank you and praise you, Father, that you give us help and strength to overturn wrong desires and to stir up right desire, that those desires are the governing factors of our heart. And we give you praise and thanksgiving 
that you, Father, even promised that you would create and energize within us the desire and the will to do for your good pleasure. And we give you praise and thanksgiving that our life is not our own, for we deny ourselves and follow after you. And we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.